Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, wherever you are, and welcome to Ayers on the Road. It's February. Can you believe it's February? I can't believe it's February. Wow. It's almost one of our son's birthday, the one that lives in Switzerland. We got to start thinking <laughs> about that. Well, yeah. a couple we of days. Only 11 birthdays in January, so we're going to get started now. <laughs> we on have February. more birthdays, grandkids, all they all oh, got no, born in January. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot, a lot through <laughs> the year. But anyway, it is always a good time, and February in Maui is just a good place to be. Sorry. Although, Sorry. Yeah, although, boy, did we have some torrential rain. My goodness. Our little house here has a tin roof. And when it rains hard, it's kind of like being inside a tent, only more metallic and vibrant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we have never seen rain like this. Flood watches everywhere. Five days never never let up it was amazing but now it's so green and beautiful it is amazing back to the beauty so and we um you know we've got another week or a little over a week we've got another 10 days here and then we'll be back home and we're trying to finish up a few of these writing projects that we really came here to do just so you know we did not come here just to play around we just don't play around at least i don't just play around <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you have you have been working really hard. Linda's been we're working one of the things we're working on is our family history and um boy you're good at that, honey. You you have a better memory than I do and you have a way of writing stories and anecdotes that are just, you know, oh no, fun to read. Fun to read. Uh you know, thank you, but it's just a matter of getting it down on paper. Man, it is just so fun to think back through uh, a lot of things, though, and things that you've totally forgotten. And then sometimes I read things that I just wrote last week and I'd forgotten. <laughs> so you never know. Well, I got a call just the other day, two, three days ago, and it was Linda who was out on a run. And she said, come quick. There's a little tiny, tiny baby fawn. And I don't know how to get him out. I said, get him out of what? And she said, well, he's down in a culvert. He's he's lost. He's, his mom is not here. What are we going to do? <laughs> she, I think you didn't say he. We we just assumed we it was a little she, girl. Of course. But tell about that. That was a serendipity. If that, that was a serendipitous morning. Well, it was just amazing. For some reason, I decided I decided to go up a different path. I I'm out jogging and walking and um i just went a little different direction just went around the corners not very far from our house and i heard this little yipping like a little cat or a little dog in distress kind of crying crying yeah. and and like help 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 and <laughs> i i bet it didn't really say it, help 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 <laughs> anyway, so I thought, I wonder what that is. And I walked across the street and I looked down in this little culvert and there was the cutest little baby fawn. It couldn't be more than a day or two. A little spotted baby nipping. deer, a little fawn. Just, I bet it was. Oh, maybe 14. A foot high, a little more. Yeah, high, yeah. With long spindly legs kind of shaking and looking up at me through there like, 
what are you going to do? Oh gosh. And I just, I, it was so adorable. And I just thought, what in the world, how can I get this, this little sweetheart to safety? I don't know what to do. So I called Richard. By, by the time I ran up there, a, a, another a woman had stopped. Well, let me just say, the yeah. first car that came The first along, car. The first car that, that was came the along I was there. She rolled down her window and said, is there a problem? And I said, look at this. And by then, it had walked back. I I'd talked it into walking back through the culvert on the other but side. But still it was down a big in the deep ditch, ditch. That it couldn't get out of. There's no way it could get out. And she jumped out of the car and we talked about it for a little while and just kept looking at us and being kind of scared if we got too close. And finally, she just said, okay, I am going to get down in there and get that little thing. And she was really, <laughs> she was amazing. So she she got down in there and grabbed that little thing, which immediately pooed all over her. <laughs> And, I mean, and started to struggle and cry. Struggling and but crying. we got a towel and put over over her little face and she calmed right down and and Katie is the name of this gal and she was holding that little thing like a like a baby. Okay, so this is the serendipity thing. She knew exactly what to do. She lived here for 13 <laughs> years. She said, I know a place that takes stray animals. And it's just, she said, down the road. It was quite a way down the road. And it's called the Boo Boo Zoo. Called the Boo Boo <laughs> Zoo. And so um, it was absolutely. It's not really a zoo, by the way. An amazing experience. And no, it's not really a zoo. It was the wildest place. I mean, we went, I drove and she held that little little baby girl. And we just went through, you know, all kinds of curves and all this stuff and beautiful, beautiful scenery. And then we come to this little old beat up sign that says boo boo zoo with an arrow <laughs> to make a long story short uh gosh there were gates to go through but when we got there it was like oh my gosh it's like a combination of dr zeus charlie and the chocolate factory <laughs> and a homemade zoo that you just cannot believe there were animals everywhere just mostly outside were were chickens and geese and goslings and peacocks and all kinds of bird, you know feathered birds that were standing bird or and there were old beat up cars hanging around and the birds were <laughs> at top of the cars anyway um that we couldn't find a man we finally found this guy who who helped us so kindly <laughs> and he uh led led us over to a little pen that was in the back lots of pens lots of pens and we just put that sweet little thing down in this little pen along with another baby. Not even a pen, more of a, a room inside this Well, it big had carpet structure. in it. Yeah, carpet. it was a night. And, and there were other little baby. I wasn't there, but I saw the pictures. We had a little, other little small a baby, baby deer, deer, a little a puppy, little goat. a little goat about her same size. <laughs> Anyway, and they smelled each other up and they were happy. So that was the end of the, the bottom experience. line. Bottom line of the serendipity is we met Katie later that night for for dinner and she brought her partner, Mike, and we had a and we got some new friends and they're and they're just really special. They people. are really special people. They married. Well, they, they were just partners for 13 years. We're going to talk them into getting married and had a, a beautiful business <laughs> um, of coconuts they do custom coconuts for weddings i mean you know what, what in the world how did that happen it was amazing anyway sorry for that little but i was my fault i was just thinking that was a fun story to tell but what are we going to talk about today we have been 
meeting on the phone on Marco Polo on Zoom on on uh, FaceTime with a with a granddaughter who's making a very 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 big decision, the biggest she can make, I guess, and and we have been trying to help her and counsel with her a little bit, and we've been talking a lot, thinking a lot about decisions, big decisions, choices particularly the ones that uh, our children and grandchildren make as they become teenagers and as they move into college or into their lives. And, and we all know, I mean, it goes without saying that some of these choices that are made in the early part of life, we call it the first, the second seventh. If you divide your life into sevenths, they're all about 11 years long, 11 or 12 years long, each of those sevenths. And that second seventh between the time a person's around 12 and around, the, around 24 or 25, think of the decisions they're making, what to major in, where to go, where to live, what to study, what kind of career to pursue, who, who to marry, whether to have a child, life-changing decisions. And our feeling is that a lot of times kids kind of fall into decisions. They just sort of go with the flow and what comes along is what they do. And we don't think it's that that's the way it should be. So we've spent a lot of time with our children and with our grandchildren talking about the art of making good decisions, making spiritual decisions, if you will, making decisions that are consistent with things we can't even know, but that God knows. And wow, it's just been so interesting to talk to this wonderful granddaughter, and we're still in the process of talking to her. And it takes us back to, you know, there's a we, we have this these little set of principles that we call grandfather's secrets or grandparents' secrets. I, I sometimes say grandfather's because you've got this Grammy camp that's so wonderful. And you, you know, part of my motivation for creating these grandfather secrets was I didn't want to be such a slug when you were oh, yeah, doing sure. this, you know, <clears throat> Grammy camp and all this, but they're just sort of 10 principles to live by. And, and one of them is the Holy spirit will help you with all your decisions, large and small semicolon, and many of the large ones can be made in advance. So let me explain that a little, and you break in, honey. Uh, what we're trying to say is that, um, you know, there's really sort of three kinds of decisions, if you think about it, that kids make. One one is just the little the little decisions that just come along all the time, like, do I do I be nice to this person? Do I do I try to stop this other kid from bullying this kid? Do I do I am I polite? Am I courteous? Am I honest? I mean, should these I are... do my homework? No, I mean, uh, whether or not you do what you know you should do, you know. Yeah, so there's a little day, little yeah. everyday decisions, but then then there's these really big ones. And they can be sort of, uh, the reason I said three, they, there's sort of two kinds. There's the kind you can actually make in advance. Um, mention what I mean by that. And then there's the kind that you can't make in advance because you don't know what the options will be. So an example of the first one would be, you know, you can decide in advance not to do drugs. You can decide 
in advance that you're going to go to college if that's your goal or whatever. You can decide in advance that you're going to um, be honest on, on in your test taking and so on. I mean, you can. There's a list of decisions that are actually best made in advance because if you leave them until the moment of choice, the temptation is greater. You know, if you've decided right. you're not going to do drugs, but but you haven't really made the decision, and then you have to make that decision when you're at this party and there's a lot of peer pressure and the girl you like best is saying, just try this little pill or whatever. Yeah. In fact, we have really encouraged our kids when they were about 10 or 11, we would give them a book that was a a, a diary engraved with their name on the front and said, this is to just record some special experiences that you have in your life, but turn to the last page first and put at the top of the page this title, Decisions I Have Made in Advance. And then we want you to think about what what can you decide right now? What can you decide right now? And it has been such a good process to go through. So like even though you're only 12 or 13 or whatever, what decisions can you make already? And then instead of pushing them, we almost play devil's advocate and say, it's like, say one of them says, well, I'll never do drugs. Well, we try to put them in a scenario four years from now or five years from now, you're at this party, this happens, this happens. What do you say? What do you do? How, how do you, how are you sure in your own mind, you've really made that decision in advance? So uh, it has been a huge tool. I mean, they came up with six or eight uh, things and then we had them sign them, seal them, yeah. <laughs> uh, slit their thumb open, sign their blood. No, just kidding. But, um, but I mean, they thought about it before and it really was helpful in their lives. They have uh, expressed some appreciation for that as they've gone through because they said, if I hadn't thought about that beforehand, I would have made a really bad choice on this in this case. And so now we're trying to do that with our grandkids with the consent of their parents and the teamwork with their parents. What decisions can you make in advance? But then there's the other decisions, you know, that you can't make in advance, like where do you what do you study? Uh, where do you live? Who who do you marry? And those are the ones that we feel should be made. And a very interesting formula, a very interesting process. And we're going to talk a little about that after the break and see if we can be a little helpful in prompting some thought on your part as a parent or a grandparent on how, on what these three kinds of decisions are and how you can help a young person figure out which of the three types of decision it is and how to best make each of those choices, which will change their impact their entire life. So hang on, we'll be right back with some ideas for you. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Talking about decisions and choices we all have them. We, we, you know, even even old fogies like us, Linda, have to make decisions. Like today, we have to decide if we go to the beach or <laughs> to the mountains. Or work. Or work. 
Linda always says work before play, and I I tend to say, oh, that's another subject. Yeah, that we'll is get into totally, that. yeah. We'll get into that later. But anyway, back to decisions. So again, quick review, and then we'll try to just delve into these a little. Three kinds of decisions. One, the kind of person you're going to be that, you know, the little things day to day, the little things that you'll just, you just decide you're going to do certain things and be honest and be true and be friendly and not do things that you don't want to do. The little daily decisions. And you can think through those better than we can or as well as we can. But then in the the larger ones, first, the kind that you really can make in advance. And you did a good job explaining that, Linda, that, you know, each of our children as they were growing up and now many of our grandchildren have a diary or a, you know, a, a, a journal. And in the end of it somewhere is this wonderful page, decisions I have made in advance, things I can decide now, even though I haven't come to that fork in the road or that crisis. And let's just go through what's, you know, and we try not to push or encourage certain ones, but examples. We talked about not doing drugs. I will not smoke. I will not drink. I will go to college. I, I am going to go to college. I mean, uh, there, I mean, obviously there's things that can come up that can uh, and it's not, get you not off track. For but, everyone. Yeah, but, but it may not be for them, but what, but what they want to do. And it is so powerful when you have made a decision. Um, I don't know. I I love a book uh, uh, about habits. That'll come to me in a second, but it it is atomic habits. I mean, if you make up your mind, you're going to do certain things. It is amazing what happens. Even things that are impossible in some, in some cases. It leads to such great discussions because when a parent or a grandparent is sitting with a, let's say, a, you know, a 12 or 13 or 14 year old, what are some decisions you can make right now? And you start thinking, where will you be in five years? What will you be doing? What will be some of the things that are on your mind? What will what are the things you're going to have to decide? You know, so most of them made decision. I, I will I will be married at some point. I will have children. Now, you may say, well, you can't you can't always control these things. But but having a decision made as far as how you feel about something and what you plan to do or not do, it's not a guarantee, but it is a powerful deterrent to some of the temptations that kids will feel as as they grow up and, and as they start going out on their own and so on. But the, 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 the third kind, the last kind of decision, which is the one we've been trying to help this granddaughter with lately, you know, it's a decision where you you now are trying to decide something you know will change your life. Should you marry this person? Should you get into this program in, in school? Should you accept this job? Should you make this move to another location? These These kinds of things that come along and that we don't want to fall into. We want to make them the right way. And we feel that that is where the most spiritual kind of decision comes in. And we know that all of you who listen to Ayers on the Road are not members of the same church and don't necessarily have the same beliefs spiritually, but we feel like most of us, the majority of this community, believes in a higher power that has a lot more 
knowledge and a lot greater scope of, of awareness than we do. And so the question is, how do you tap in to that source and get that kind of guidance on these decisions? Because we, we do the best we can on decisions. We analyze the data we have. We try to figure out what we're doing. But we don't know enough. I mean, that's the sad thing. That's what I was saying to this granddaughter the other day. You really don't know enough. You think you know this person that you're trying to decide whether you want to marry. But you'll, in 10 years, look back and realize you hardly knew anything. So how in the world can you be expected to make a decision of that kind of magnitude? And the answer is, we think, in, in, in a scripture that we believe in, that essentially says, what you do is you bring to bear your all the advice, all the analysis, all the effort, all the prayer, all the feelings you can, and you make your own decisions, and you try to come to the right choice. But you make that decision tentatively, and then you essentially take that decision to God in prayer and attempt to get what we would call a confirmation, attempt to get an acquiescence, if you will, from God or from the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit that confirms your decision, that says it is right. And the the scripture we have in mind actually has some very interesting wording. It says, if it be right, if your decision, if the if the choice you have made, God won't make the choice for you because the whole purpose of mortality is that we learn to make our own choices and find our own way and so on. So, so saying, please tell me what I should do, please tell me what decision I should make, God, is a very different thing and a less profitable thing, we feel, than saying, God, I have worked so hard. I have tried to bring to bear all the advice, the analysis, the the feelings, the thoughts, hope you've given me. I've tried to bring all that to bear. And this is my decision, but I will not act on it until you confirm it. And this scripture we're talking about essentially says, if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you and you shall know that it is right. And we, we're careful with that burning because some people feel this as a calmness or a sureness or a simple peace, and others feel it like a burning. But we really believe that when someone does the work and tries to make that decision and then asks God for a confirmation, we really believe one of two things will happen. They'll either receive that confirmation in some form of sureness which is money in the bank. The rest of their life, they'll never second-guess that decision. They'll never say, well, I really didn't know the person well enough to marry him, or, well, I really didn't know enough about the job. I shouldn't have accepted it, or whatever. With this spiritual confirmation, whatever difficulties come, you'll say, well, I, I, I know that this was the right thing to do. I got it. I felt it from the Spirit. <laughs> so it's a beautiful thing. And the other option, if the confirmation doesn't come, the scripture calls it a stupor of thought, which I think is just the absence of that confirmation, which says you've got some more thinking to do. You haven't thought this through well enough. There's factors you don't know about. Go back to the drawing board. Work on it harder. 
come back again when, when your decision's more complete? Well, I think that there are so many decisions that we make. I mean, some are a lot more important than others, obviously. But for us, and for me especially, um, I needed to have that very sure feeling before I married you. Because I knew that you were kind of a loose cannon. <laughs> Wait a second. No, I knew that it was gonna not going to be totally easy because we had spent most of our courtship arguing <laughs> wonderful arguments so oh, yeah, yeah. so wonderful i mean we really you always won but well <laughs> no just a little more than half the time but <laughs> it really was hard because we realized we look at the world differently and we see things the way they should be resolved differently and i felt like i needed to absolutely know this is the right thing to do and we've had people say you know i have struggled with that i i tried but we just i just couldn't and i don't know i think they've been <clears throat> they've been okay but it's just been a whole whole different thing for me like when we came to an impasse like okay this and i have to admit that there have been some yeah, really been, big there impasses there've been times when if we hadn't had that confirmation being a little personal here, I'm not sure we would have made it, especially early in our marriage. Yeah. Um, we have told you before how well, the bad advice that we got from the guy the guy who married us yeah. about <laughs> never going to sleep on an argument. Sometimes we were going all night long <laughs> and exhausted. And it was just the absolute worst thing to do. We could have set we should have separated right at the first, given it a fresh look. And not not separated, but, you know. I mean, gone to different places, yeah. <laughs> no trial separation. So I think, you know, um, we're, we're kind of on a personal scale and on an advice scale and different things here. But the bottom line, I think, Linda, is that we really believe in that particular wonderful kind of an answer to prayer. We believe in prayer. We believe in a God who cares about us individually and who knows vastly more everything that we don't know and who will help us on these decisions, but not by taking the initiative from us, not by making the decision for us, not by, you know, doing the work that we should do, but rather by confirming the decision that we've made. And it's, 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 you know, it's just logical when you think about it. If you believe in a creator, if you believe in a God, if you believe in a higher intelligence that knows so much more, why would we not seek that kind of confirmation before we undertake the implementation of these life-changing decisions? There's thing, and, and again, so many of them come in that second, seventh of life in that period where we haven't had a lot of life experience and yet we're trying to make decisions on marriage on study on where to live on the career on so many things that are beyond our scope so we do the best we can we come to the best decision we can and then we believe in in fasting and prayer becoming as humble as possible taking that decision to some private quiet peaceful place and simply asking for a confirmation of that decision and uh, we believe that's maybe the most valuable thing that young people can do 
It really is. And there are so many kind of big decisions in your life. I mean, the few that are really, really will be life-changing, but it really is amazing to think about that you do have help. And I know some, some have just struggled and struggled. Like I can't, I can't get an answer. And then finally, when they absolutely decide this is what I'm going to do, they do get maybe not a wild burning, but a, a firm feeling. Yes, this is the direction I should go. It is so ethereal that it's hard to pin down because every person receives that a different way. But it is so important to rely on God, I think, for for the these big answers. These big confirmations. And again, we're almost out of time, but I, I just want to be a little personal here at the end and say that it's certainly not our idea. A, a wonderful man, a mentor, a leader, a, a, personal, a person, a man, I actually believe was an apostle during his life, is the one that explained that confirmation process to me years ago. And I did what he asked. I did fast. I did pray on the decision I'd made to marry you, honey. And I received high on a mountain in some snow, kneeling down. I received a total calmness, a total peace. And I, I knew, I knew for sure ever since. And you had your own experience. Yeah, mine mine happened in like one minute after yeah. a long process and so on. So it just comes differently to everyone, but it's a sweet experience. So our appeal to you, especially you parents and grandparents, talk a lot with your children and grandchildren about decision making and about the 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 kinds of decisions they can make in advance, just as they think it through and decide what kind of person they want to be and how they want to live and what they will and won't do during their life. And then this bigger kind of, not bigger, but other kind of decisions where they do the work, make the choice prayerfully, carefully, but don't act on it until they get this sure confirmation from the Spirit of God. So let me just repeat that little secret or little principle we try to teach. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will help you with all of your decisions, large and small, and many of them can be made in advance. So thanks for joining us today. We just want you to know that if you find a little stranded fawn in a culvert, jump down in there <laughs> and get it and take it somewhere safe. And it's kind of it's the same thing on the other end of the spectrum, but it is really great to jump into the things that you know are right and do it. We love you all. If you happen to be a grandparent, you should know that we're starting our Grandparenting 101 course again next month in March. And we'd love to have you join us. Or if you're a parent and you have your parents that you think would benefit from thinking about more proactive grandparenting, just go to grandparenting101.com. And we'd love to have you join us. And it's February 9th this month, right? No, February 7th. 7th that's the Tuesday. last one of the previous yeah. course. So they would yeah. want to join probably. In okay. March. So thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Irish on the Road. Love to all. Bye.